Welcome to Frame Line. I'm Barbara Gosowski here as usual with my favorite co-host, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Not too bad. I should say uh, happy Tiffmas. Happy you know, we, we, we are in the, the Tiff giving season. Happy Tiffmas. Did you get me something special? Uh, a whole bunch of great movies from all around the world and uh, a few short films as well. Oh, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> we, are, we, we do have a lot of great films to talk about. We're going to start off our coverage of uh, the Toronto International 2022 edition. And hey, let's start off with a big one, okay? A couple of big ones. Uh, there were a couple of films that premiered at the Cannes Film Festival this past spring. And they're here at TIFF and you'll get a chance to see them. The first one we're going to talk about is called Moon Age Daydream. And it's a film written, produced, and directed uh, by Brett Morgan. You'll recognize him. He made a, a documentary about Kurt Cobain. And this is a documentary about uh, David Bowie. So if you recognize the title, Moon Age Daydream, it's the title of, uh, of a 1971 song of Bowie's. And if you're a fan, you're really going to love this. Um, I'm a big fan of Bowie's and uh, I have some quibbles. Uh, I don't think uh, Brett Morgan's style is exactly perfect in this regard, but I think he's coming at it. You can tell he's coming at it as like a huge fan. Um, he had access to some previously unreleased footage from Bowie's personal archives. And that includes live concert footage that we haven't seen. Um, and so he takes what we have and what we know and what we've seen and puts it together with this previously unreleased footage, uh, mixes uh, footage from, you know, personal home video type stuff of Bowie's, mixes that with the concert footage and sometimes veers off into this sort of realm of dream. You know, as the best way to, he goes off into abstraction at times. And like, basically he's really doing a lot with the soundtrack, layering the sound. Uh, the primary sound is Bowie's voiceover and it's coming both from interviews in public and from what we can ima only imagine is, yeah, personal, personal archives talking. And sometimes things get quite personal, but, also, uh, you get to see that Bowie was quite open, even in public, like even when he's being interviewed by somebody and you see him on TV with someone and, and the interviewer asks him stuff, like he, he would go off and sometimes he'd be a little, you know, artsy fartsy, trying try and answer in kind of a convoluted, poetic uh, overly poetic way, but uh, but a lot of it um, is driven by uh, Bowie's own personal journey, like what he's describing uh, through. I mean, it's quite an incredible job of editing all this together. What what Bowie himself is describing as his own journey to discover himself, to find himself, and so and the way that the film puts it together, I really appreciated how intimate like how it drew us into this world it's like a, a special intimate world and we go into this world and we go on this journey and it seems like we're going on it with Bowie but like I said sometimes Brett Morgan veers off 
into this like abstract realm or he goes off into like realms that you sort of, I sat there and I thought, okay, this is a bit too MTV, mm-hmm. you know, um, music video realm where it's sort of not, not abstract in terms of like a- abstract animation, but abstract in, in the sense that it's kind of impenetrable. You don't really know what the visuals are trying to say, but it just looks cool. And I found that sometimes, even the sound-wise, things got a bit like it really it goes that the runs the gamut from like really gentle sort of passages uh, up towards like really bombastic kind of like being in a concert, but overly bombastic because if you know Bowie's music, he doesn't tend to get that bombastic. So it's sort of like there were times when I was sitting there thinking, you know, this is not a documentary about Kirk Cobain. So something is like not doesn't feel right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, it, it got me. It really got me as a fan. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's an amazing journey. Amazing trip. Yeah, amazing I, film. I, I like this film. Um, I'm not a a big boy fan like you are. Like I appreciate his music but i i can't rhyme off his catalog you know a do- drop of a hat but i will say I-, I share some of your your quibbles with the film i i thought there's a lot going on in this film almost too much um and there's sometimes where the film and boy himself is saying some really interesting things um there's he, there's a moment in the film that's i've been thinking about a lot where he talks about not striving to be in the center of things, but always push towards the edges. And he's like, if you feel comfortable in whatever job or task you're doing, you need to push yourself further. Like we should always be living in a state of uncomfortable, challenging ourselves as human beings, which is absolutely wonderful. And it's, you know, profound in a moment. And yet there's so much bombast in this film. Like there was times where I felt like my senses were being assaulted. And as much as I really enjoyed this film, it could have been half an hour shorter like there's just a lot of moments where i felt it meanders and you know it's again a lot of cool looking imagery but would be cool in a different film but still if you're a bowie fan you will like it and even if you're not a boy fan i think there's a, a fair bit you can take out of it so yeah i would recommend this film as well okay so the other film that uh, premiered at can this year that has had a lot of people talking and I'm sure has a lot of people still talking uh, waiting for its um, premiere here is Triangle of Sadness. And this uh, won the Pandor, the biggest prize at uh, the Cannes Festival. And it's directed by a filmmaker called Ruben Oslin. This is a uh, fiction film, completely, you know, something else. Uh, fiction film, it's kind of, um, it's pretty wild in its own way, stylistically. And uh, Ruben Austin, just to remind everybody, uh, he directed The Square, uh, which was uh, a very, very serious um, statement, you know, but the, the nature, the state of humanity, um, cruelty, you know, man's inhumanity to man. And uh, that also won the Palme d'Or the year that it uh, showed. And so he, he kind of takes a different approach. Um, I think he's not a stranger to satire, but this is like a very, very dark satirical comedy. Um, 
in many, many ways, which doesn't like stay in that realm. So I feel like it's kind of a misnomer to just give it that phrase, satirical dark comedy. It's like, there's a lot more going on. And I know that there are a lot of critics sort of debating uh, its merit because they, they're like, well, he doesn't really have the edge that his other work did. And I feel like if you, I feel like it hit me in a way and had me thinking in a way where um, it had that edge that I think people were missing. So for some reason it hit me like by the time you get to the ending. Um, and I think the brilliant thing about this film is the way that Oslin takes a relatively simple concept and just keeps twisting and twisting and twisting. And so by the time you get to the sort of what you think is the final narrative twist, and then, then it gets to the final, final, like the very, very end, if you just really take in the actual final moments of the film and what, what that does um, and the way it twists and what that says about what we're all capable of, what we're actually capable of, whether we want to admit it or not, um, then I think it, it really, it's a gut punch. And I, you know, I, I hesitate to use the phrase gut punch because this film, um, uh, it's about a luxury cruise. And so a lot of it is about um, things like the luxuries, like people are drinking champagne all the time and the food. And so there's a lot of time spent on the food and then the twists that happens with that food and what happens with the whole cons consuming and stuff. So for me to say gut punch, I'm not going to ruin it, but you have to watch it. It's that it gets into a, a point where it's very, very, very difficult to watch. So in some ways it's a nightmare. So it's a luxury cruise with the uber, uber rich who are behaving very, very badly. And so this, that's the satire is like driving home the message, like almost to, to like an extreme, actually beyond an extreme, driving home that message that the ultra, ultra rich are very, very, very bad people. Um, and you're sort of enjoying it. I'm sorry, <laughs> but yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's a dark admission on my part. Um, but that's and pretty that, much his his style, yeah. though, because you know the um, the one that he had before this was at the square. Yeah, uh, that was you know satirical look at the snobbery of the the art world. Even force majeure, you know, as much as it's you're looking at a relationship, it it also looks at the male ego and a lot of his work really kind of takes a darkly funny view. An uncomfortable view of, of society and the the norms that we have. So, but yeah, that's that's one I'm really looking forward to. It's high on my to see list. Yes, um, yeah, <laughs> I think I sh I should stop. I think people really have to experience it. But you know, as uncomfortable as it is, stick with it. Like I said, I think that ending makes everything that you're doubting, like what you're doubting. You're doubting uh, whether it is being overly simplistic about its message about the, the, the rich. You're doubting whether you should be sitting through this experience. Keep going. Keep going because that ending, I mean, that's that's the kind of artistic 
ending that it resonates, it lingers, you know, that's, uh, it's kind of one of the reasons I go to go to the movies, you know, mm-hmm. that sounds good. Well, I'm going to um, change things for a little bit. We're going to come back to the features, but there's, there's a bunch of shorts playing in the various shorts programs. Um, I think there's six shortcut programs that you could see. And I want to talk about one short that I, that I saw that when you were talking about tri- um, triangle of sadness in terms of kind of playing with expectations, this one came to mind and it's scaring women at night. Um, it's directed by Carmilla Zakia Issa. Um, hopefully I pronounced the director's name right. And it's based off of a short story by Ace Clamber. And it essentially looks at two individuals walking home um, at night. And as the film starts, you are following this woman and she's walking and she notices that there is a, a man following her. And as she tries to do the usual things, you know, talking to your phone, speed up, she starts to notice that this person is still around. And it really starts to focus on the, not the paranoia, but the the real life um, fears that, women have to endure just living their daily lives you know the the threats of violence the threats of being attacked by predators sexual harassment the whole list of things are going through this woman's mind and through the audience's mind as you're watching this short and then a change happens and it not only forces you to look at um the the woman a certain way but then you also have to start to think of the person that is presumably following this woman and it just it throws you for a loop but it's done in such a unique and um interesting way that it really makes you look at both sides it makes you also look at the nature of fear um gender identity it's 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 a quite remarkable film for for only 11 minutes Yes. And in terms of gender, like in terms of gender roles and expectations and, and societal expectations. Um, and it was interesting you brought up the, you know, the connection with Triangle of Sadness, because, yeah, in, in both cases, each director shifts things. And, uh, you know, Ruben Oslin, not so subtly <laughs> in this case, uh, very subtly, uh, but in, in some ways, also very directly, you know? Um, and so there's this performative aspect that starts to take over, but I like the very direct approach of the film. And this is the genius of a short, a well-made short film is to concentrate all of that, all of that is in this film and the, all that this film reminds us, teaches us, you know, makes us aware of, um, is is so concise, you know. Uh, this director shows like an incredible, like, um, you know, what's the word? What's the word? Uh, it, it, uh, grasp, understanding, grasp, grasp, and understanding, and just the the precision mm-hmm. of uh, of their command of the cinematic language, you know is is uh yeah it's a remarkable film yes and and, uh, scaring women at night is playing in shorts program shortcuts program number six and there's actually another short in there that maybe you might uh, lead us into that um playing it's another one where it's 
you know, our perceptions are, are challenged and it's, it's what each person needs. Um, do you want to talk that's about right. that? that that's the title. It's what each person needs. And Sophie Ramvari, one of my favorite filmmakers in the world, who's also a Canadian filmmaker, a local filmmaker. And in this case, it's, um, it's a documentary fiction sort of hybrid in the sense that it's a portrait of an individual and uh, this woman named, uh, well, this is an actress, Becca Willow Moss. And it, it's, uh, it's presented as a portrait. And what Sophie does, I mean, talk about precision. What Sophie does in terms of presenting this individual and introducing us to this individual and, and helping us to get to know her is the, the style is like, uh, I can't even let me look at my notes because I, I just this film was one of my favorite. This is a film where I, I had to sit back and go, oh, I need I need a few minutes. And in fact, if I could take the rest of the day off, I would, because it hits you with with such a power in terms of what what you learn of this person's uh, spirit, their essence, their, you know, just through things like gesture, uh, so much is evoked in, in terms of emotion and uh, it's hypnotic in a way, you know, I could, in some ways it was perfect for the length and in other ways I could sit there and just watch it forever, you know? And uh, yeah, it just hypnotized me with this sort of, that lyrical style that Sophie Ramvari is just, she seems so effortlessly to, you know, create this, this portrait of this is this individual. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's uh, it's quite powerful. Yeah, and, it, it, and it's it's fascinating because the film leads you in a particular direction as you're following Becca. She's conversing with all these people and essentially giving them the type of comfort via conversation that each individual needs. Um, and comfort can be, you know, broader than the the initial in interpretation one might have when you hear that word, but then things change, you know, and it starts to question the artifice of the film, but also Becca and the role that um, the service and the role that Becca is providing to these individuals, but then also the role and service that Becca is, is serving the director and, it's 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 really fascinating because it, it takes you in various directions and you you almost pause and go wait what's what's going on oh okay this exactly. this, this direction is actually really interesting oh, oh wait we're going to a new direction oh now we're going back to the first direction and it, so it it takes you all those places and they're all um, equally fascinating so yeah it's a it's a well crafted crafted short okay so let's go to something like um, narrative subtle. I, I just really liked the, the gentle style of this film by uh, Asha Youngman. It's, uh, it's called Nahahidku, um, which translates as Sacred Spirit of the Lake. And it's, uh, it stars Kiawentio, who was in Beans, that the film, Tracy Deer's uh, feature film Beans. It's just a, a story of a, of a young girl who moves into a new community everything's kind of awkward right she's a, because you know you're young and, and you're a teenager and 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 things are awkward and the sort of 
the attempts to form friendships and how things don't really quite work out, but also how she doesn't quite fit in, doesn't feel like she fits in. Um, but the, the filmmaker, Youngman, she also has this uh, great sense, not only of character and the, the discomfort that the character feels, but she also has a sense of the place and uh, the time, like there's this like element of like the time period in someone's life, but it also opens up into this sort of understanding of uh, spirituality in, with nature, right? Because the lake does take on the significance, uh, a larger significance. So it's like, it takes on this metaphorical, but it's very gently, you know? So the performance is great and uh, direct, the directing is great. And it, it's just this really captivating, um, gentle film. I appreciated, yeah, the style of this this film. I I enjoyed this one as well, and and I think this actress has a very bright future ahead of her. Um, one of the things that I found fascinating is that there's a a creature, or possibly a creature of the lake, or a spirit of the lake, depending on who is telling the story, and mm. and. You know, the film starts to question, well, if there are monsters and monsters is who who are the real monsters in in this world? And especially when you have um, this young indigenous girl, teen moving into a predominantly white society, you know, there's already the outsider feeling and then just her being different, even her being a city girl you know, is, is a source for them to, to mock. And so it's, it's interesting. It's it's a very layered work. And I like that it didn't go in the directions I thought it would. Um, You know, it's, it's not one, because at one point you think, oh, it's going to get like really dark and almost horror, if you will, but it doesn't go there. But what it does is still really effective. And I, I just love the the ending and kind of her coming to terms with her culture and, and learning a little something, you know? Yes. But also who she is, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's that, that satisfaction of, of um, being with someone in a film and then seeing them, you know, feel comfortable in their own skin, you know, Mm -hmm. who they are. This is, you know, and, and especially at that age, when nobody feels comfortable, right? Yes, yes, that is that's true. And um, that film, we should say, is is playing in Shortcuts Program Five, uh, so well worth checking out. Uh, do, do you want to talk about Baba? Should we move to that one? Uh, to, yes, to, with the Baba. this the spiritual theme, mystical theme of sorts. Um, so, Baba, but also such an engaging character, yeah. Yes, yes. So, so Baba is directed by um, Mimbithi Messia, and I hope I, I pronounced that name right. Um, this was a director who did uh, the wonderful film that I, I loved, and I think you enjoyed as well, Kati Kati from a few a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, very much a director who understands and can command the the spiritual realm, the metaphysical realm, and in this film baba the story follows this young six-year-old boy named baba who 
is living in the outskirts of Nairobi um, and essentially leaves the harsh realities of his life and goes to his calm place, which is like the ocean. But in many ways, it's like he is teleporting himself there. And the film doesn't delve too much into that, but then it also starts to, you start to see a little bit more about his life and the individuals like his cousin who are, are supposed to be there to protect him and look out for him. And then the individuals in the community who may be harassing him but the lines start to blur as the film goes on and it starts to lead you to think that some, some dangers might be closer to home. Um, and it's just a, a really interesting and powerful work that I, I almost wanted it to be a little longer. I mean, it's yeah. 15 minutes, but it's just one of those things where it was like, there's so much about this world that I need to understand. And like, especially with yeah. the dynamics, but for what it is, it's um, it's quite good. And yeah, uh, you know, after Katy Katy, I will watch anything this director yeah. makes. Absolutely, yeah. And this, this, and this actor, all of the actors are great, but mm-hmm. this little six-year-old, just a close-up uh, of him. It's his face says so much that yeah, I mean, I could I could watch much more, a much more longer film, um, and his ability in his face to to show us that he is transporting himself, that he's escaping, but also it, it, it shows us like so clearly the power of, of the imagination, especially in childhood, right? The resilience of a child to like get, get out of like, in, find a way out. And most of the time, the only way out is through the imagination, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't add much more to what what you said because I think it's it's what you said about th- this director's ability to convey all that um, is uh, like I wish the director would make more <laughs> like a longer longer work and uh, I really applaud their 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 style. You know. Yeah. In yeah. this case, the precision is also it's quite brilliant because you're we are transported to a different world we're transported to a different realm but all in 15 minutes and so much is said as you said so much is uh revealed about this child's reality and the difference between the reality and the imagination the imaginative part of the film the spiritual part of the film the difference is there um, it's conveyed so vividly. Yeah, this is this is a brilliant one. It's in program two, Baba. Yep, yep. shortcuts program two. It's a lot of really interesting and fascinating shorts. Um, and one I will kind of continue with the trend is um, Diaspora, which is directed by Tyler McKenzie Evans. And this is a Canadian short. And this one, um, there's a, I would say there's a, transportation of sorts uh, occurring in, in this oh, yes. film um and this we one, shouldn't laugh because it, in in some ways it's not so funny no no it's it's actually an interesting short because the situation at first seems amusing and then you start to realize what's occurring and it gets really chilling uh, but it's a it's a satirical thriller basically about um this couple in a predominantly 
black um, neighborhood who start to notice that a lot of their friends and uh, acquaintances are going missing. And not only are they going missing, but they're, they're starting to see some new people pop up, some new white neighbors in, in, in the area. And it, replacing it, them. That's the, kill, the kicker. Replacing them. <laughs> well, I was going to leave. I was going to leave that part of their character. I'm sorry. I ruined your description. Yeah. <laughs> Cause uh, you know, that's the big thing. I was just, I was just going to say they're, you know, they're, their friends are missing that you have new white neighbors kind of slowly starting to pop up. And there's, you know, a, the, the film takes on a, a really sinister, sinister tone. Um, and it, it, to me, it, it does harken back to, you know, some some classic films from the the 50s um uh, a, a more recent jordan peele film i will say is also a good kind of comparison <laughs> yes. um and that is all i will say but i i i really enjoyed it and it is in short program four and i highly recommend it absolutely i completely agree with you and uh it's yeah it's it <laughs> The the way that that Tyler McKenzie Evans conveyed the horror of the situation, because I mean, what we have revealed is not you have to experience because what we get to experience through the main characters uh, perception, right? And the way the perception shifts and shifts and shifts, like we're talking about all this shifting and twisting. And I think it just that's what's happening this year or that's what you and I have picked up on is these filmmakers and their ability, their skill, their, the skill level it takes to just take a narrative and shift it and shift it, you know, and play with their expectations uh, until you get to something else deeper. Yeah. This one, this one is quite powerful diaspora, which leaves us with a film uh, in terms of shorts leaves us. I mean, there's a million shorts that play uh, Tiff, and I'm I'm so happy they play so many shorts. Uh, but it leaves us in terms of our selections uh, with a film that's in program one, and uh, it is by a superstar animation team, Canadian animation team, uh, Wendy Tilby and Amanda Forbes. Uh, it's their return. Uh, they have been Oscar nominated. They have won the Pandora. And uh, so here they are with their latest. It's called The Flying Sailor, based on a true story. What happened was in Halifax in 1917, um, there was this famous explosion and uh, a lot of damage uh, occurred. Um, but this is uh, a little bit of a, like a slice of time that is taken from that explosion which is just before and during and it's it's about this one sailor like one's one man's sort of unexpected voyage that happens during before and during the halifax explosion um at their back with their vivid style their very detail like i think this is why they win awards and get nominated for awards internationally uh, and have been like working together for years and celebrated for years is is the vivid nature of their their style but also 
the detail oriented um, and the way that they just conjure a different kind of world. Not only do they take us back in time, but it's just a different kind of a plane of existence, you know? So, um, yeah, it's this is a, a very strong, strong example of what these two are capable of. And I, I think this one will be celebrated as much as the other films they've made. Yeah, I, I, I love this film. And it's interesting that because, you know, we started off with Moon Age Daydream, um, which really goes different places and tries to use Bowie's um, music and visuals to take us to, you know, a, a higher plane at certain points. And this film does that within what? 16 minutes if yeah. that you know like it yeah this, this film as you're you're kind of going through the sailor's life it, it it starts to get really metaphysical and you know almost as if as he's flying it's taking us to a, a different orbit and i thought it was just done so well and, and so effective uh you know so it's it's almost a nice bookend to to moon age daydream and i just really really love this film and i I'm excited to to see whatever else they come up with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's a good bookend, Courtney. Perfect. Thank you. So that's just a few of the films just to get you started for the beginning of the Toronto International Film Festival. We'll be back covering more and, you know, get out there, look through the schedule and find things from other countries, find things, you know, that that look, take a chance. That's I think that's the best thing, right? Yep, that's the best advice. advice. Yeah, some of the bigger stuff, you know, it's nice to see it. It's nice to see it when it comes out, but it's also, it's also, it's coming. It's coming back. So, you know, something from Pakistan or Nigeria, you don't, you don't know when it's coming back, if it's coming back, right? Yeah, and the shorts program, as we said, is, it's a wealth of uh, good stuff. So, always, yeah, there's, yeah. there's plenty to see. Take a, take a risk, and you will be greatly rewarded. Absolutely. All right. So for Courtney Small, I'm Barbara Gustavsky. Thanks for listening.